0: Okay, somebody say somebody. 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 Okay, uh, last week, what did Kim talk about? My body. This week, we're talking about somebody. You know, Raiden was here last week and said somebody, like, probably 50 times, and he's not even here this evening on the night that we're actually doing somebody, so. Okay. <laughs> Josh. Somebody. Somebody. Hey, um, <clears throat> last week, Kim started off with, like, this mindfulness exercise. Was it mindfulness? Is that the word you used? Anyways. Some, like, body mindfulness exercise. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to... We're going to do, Katie, I love it. Uh, We're going to do another one, uh, but a little bit different, okay? Uh, Because we're in the context of somebody, in the context of corporate, uh, there's a a different exercise that I want to do tonight. So uh, there was a study done uh, a while ago in Oxford University. And it found in this study, a group of people in their ability to bond together, that those who publicly would sing together would have a bonding and a unity that would uh, grow faster together and go deeper together, more so than like athletes and people who are into like art. Those were like the studies. It was like music and sports and art. And they found that those in the music study, uh, when they publicly sang together, that they grew closer and deeper more quickly and went deeper uh, than the others. So did you know that when we publicly sing, corporately sing together, that our brains, both sides of our brains, activity lights up like crazy, Uh, And also there is the release of hormones, specifically oxytocin, that takes place when we sing collectively together. There's oxytocin released in our bodies uh, that is a bonding hormone. You've heard of oxytocin before? No? Okay. So it is the bonding hormone. It happens when mothers give birth to their children. It happens when mothers breastfeed their children. And it happens in sexual intercourse as well. It's a bonding release that takes place. Oxytocin. Okay? Also, endorphins are released. Like that feeling of like a high and happiness when we sing together is released in our bodies when we are corporately singing the same lyrics to a song at like a concert or like a happy birthday or at a worship service. I believe God designed our bodies specifically for this to happen so there would be a bonding mechanism that would take place. So our activity is going to be a little singing exercise, okay? Now, now, just give me a second here. Give me a second. I've got some songs here. I got some songs, and every song has the word somebody in it. So if you know these songs, if you know these songs... I want you to sing along with the lyrics. Are you good? Yeah. This is our this is our mindfulness exercise tonight. Okay, yes, Brent, you ready? We're good. Okay, here we go. Everybody listening? Listening? Okay, okay, good, good, good. You're getting it. I got a couple here. I don't know this one, but I'm trusting that you guys do, and probably specifically, especially Mariah would. No? Justin Bieber. No way. All right. I didn't really know it either, so... I was just, I'm actually really happy about that. Ah, Okay, how about this one? This is for like a little bit older um, and in the feels on this one. So we'll we'll see how you are on this one. Come on. If you know it, sing it out. It says it again. You know
1: that I somebody.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Okay. What about what about this one right here? Next line. Hey, this is a Bible college here. Stop it. Okay, good, 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 good. (laughs) Okay, what about what about this one? This is this is the last one for right now. Little Canadian context for you here. Good, that's what we're gonna end with right now. There's other songs I know. You know what? I thought of that one, but it's one word at the very beginning, and like that was it. <laughs> it still works. Smash mouth. Okay, great. Somebody. Okay, so we will get into our chapel chats later. The, the phone number is up there again. Again, this is an anonymous texting app that's on there, so uh, ask your questions away. I, I will preface with this. Um, there were lots of questions that were sent in last week, and we did not get through all of them, and we have planned to get through uh, as many as we possibly can, uh, and if you all text in questions tonight, we're just not going to get to all of them. just letting you know that, okay? Send your texts in anyways. We'll see which ones we can get to, but we just will not be able to get to all of them this evening. Now, what I want to do before we get into the little sermon here is I want to introduce to you who our guest host is this evening. Who do you guys think it is? Daisy is a guest? I've heard Michaela as a guest. Okay, everybody go like this. I'm going to get them to stand up in three, two, one. Nicole Dietrich. Nicole will be our guest host this evening on our chapel chats. With Gim and Calv, after we do this, okay? Okay, so last week, uh, Kim talked about a theology of the body, and tonight we are talking about a theology of humanity our view, and our value of people. So if you were thinking coming tonight, okay, now we're gonna talk about specifically relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends or marriages and husbands and wives, I'm sorry to disappoint you, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe to excite you, that is not what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> Now, we will get into that in some regard through this and specifically in our Q&A, but more importantly, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a holistic theology of, of humanity so that what we learn tonight and what we relearn tonight, because I believe many of you already know this, that we can use this theology and we can put it into practice in every relationship, including that of potential boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, husband, wife. Sound good? Yeah. Good. Somebody. Okay, so uh, theology of humanity is to view and to value people as the way God designed us to view and to value them. So holistically, Kim talked about that there isn't this dichotomy of both body and spirit, that it is joined together. God saved us holistically, right? Physically, spiritually, that also means mentally and emotionally, and I also believe he does so socially. So a theology of humanity is holistically of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social that we are to grow and to enjoy life to its fullness, that we need to exist in all of these dimensions in a healthy way, the way that God desires it to be. But the social side can get overlooked sometimes. Usually we get those four because of Scripture, you know, we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, so we get that first four, but we're also to love the Lord in how we love other people. But we can be individualistic, right? Yeah, we can be individualistic. And it's possible for us to remove ourselves from people. So that's why it seems like it's a difference. The other ones, we're always just with our body, right? We're always just with thoughts in our minds, our emotions, the spiritual. Uh, We're always with it. But we can remove ourselves and the social aspect. And so sometimes we can neglect it too. But in the creation account, it clearly shows the social aspect in the theology of humanity. So the biblical, excuse me, the biblical creation accounts. God created Adam and Eve, right? He created the genders, binary, masculine and feminine, male and female, he created. And he created them to be in a relationship vertically, but he also created them to be in relationship horizontally. So with him... And with others, the spiritual relationship with God and social relationships with others. And these are essential ingredients for a healthy, satisfying, joy-filled life that God desires for us to have. So our theology of humanity, it derives from our theology of God, of who God is in his glory. In his existence is the community, the trinity of the Godhead, of the Son, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So his his unique attributes, his unique identity is the reason why we too belong to one another. As he created us in his image. So God most often speaks of himself In a first-person context, I, but there's a few times he uses the concepts of third persons like we or us or our. In Genesis, he says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. He also says, they have become like us, as in like a negative thing. Well, it's like, well, that's what you're designed to do. But because of sin coming into us, uh, he then needs to respond and he says, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different language, specifically speaking about the Tower of Babel. So he uses this communal language in identifying himself with him, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the divine we made, the, made humans as we, male and female, to live together. It's not good for man to be alone speaks, yes, of the gift of marriage, but it also speaks of necessity of companionship in all relationships. So, as the question was last week that Kim posed, if bodies matter to God, should they matter to us? My question is, if our relationships matter to God, should they matter to us? Yes, Somebody. So then why do we live such individualistic lives at times? Well, I think it's because ultimately of sin. Sin forces us to look inwards at ourselves rather than outwards. I was reading some statistics, and these are Canadian statistics, which I'm always a fan of the US statistics, applicable at times, but not always helpful. Uh, and some Canadian statistics. There is a major decrease in percentage of people in their 20s and their 30s getting married in Canada. It is on the decline. In companionship and common law couples, also on the decline in Canada. Major increases in stats of loneliness uh, taking place. And this one um, I found quite interesting. I was chatting with Emily about it earlier. Canadian fertility stats are staggeringly low in Canada. Specifically, uh, rates have decreased to 1.4 children per women in Canada. Is where our stat is at. That has been on a decline for over a decade now. Uh, globally... Uh, The percentage is 2.4 is the average globally. Um, So Canada right now is one of the lowest countries globally for um, reproduction, for people having children, for women having children. It's 1.4 per woman in Canada. Um, The 2.4 globally is on a 0.41 decline just from last year alone. Uh, And so globally, we're seeing a decline Canadian context even more so and it's projected that Canada will be in the lowest low is the category that they classify it as the lowest low fertility rate in the coming years if we stay on the projected decline since 2009 so that value of family the value of companionship the value of togetherness we're seeing a decline in our country The value of the grind is hugely on the rise, right? (laughs) Which has been the case often for men, but we're seeing a paralleled, if not even superseding intensity with females today with goals of education, with goals of work, with goals of career, fitness, and income. So we're seeing this increase, both male and female, of these goals over that of specifically in the family context model. Now, we're not just talking about family. We're talking about friendship tonight, too. We're talking about companionship, not just in the romantic side of things, but companionship also in the friendship side. So if we're built for connection, then why does it seem like loneliness is on such a rise that we see people who desire uh, not just the concept of introvert-extrovert, but just the ones to isolate themselves and remove themselves rather than being with people. Now, it might be a little difficult for us to face that because our lives are literally lived beside each other, feeling like 24-7 here on campus. Uh, but the reality of our country is not like this place. So why are we so individual? Uh, Paul says to the church in Galatia, who is struggling with a strain in relationships in this church. So this early church, they were going through its first real controversy. And the controversy was that relationships were strained, specifically those of the Christian Jews and the Christian Gentiles. And what was taking place is there was this major lack of unity, predominantly due to racial distinctions, And also due to some false teachings. Now these false teachings were that these Judaizers, they twisted Paul's teaching about salvation and justification comes through Christ and Christ alone and not through works of the law is what they were teaching. Sorry, that's Paul's teaching. But the Judaizers, they were twisting it. And they were saying that you can live by grace, that freedom is meant for you to do whatever you want to do, to live lawless lives and degenerate lives. They were also telling people to circumcise themselves when they didn't need to circumcise themselves. And Paul got really mad at them and told them to take care of that themselves, on themselves, rather than telling other people to do it too. Gets really serious and upset. In this letter. But ultimately, what was taking place is there was a lack of unity. There was a strain in relationships in the local context of this church. Lack of unity, strain in relationships, primarily due to racial distinctions and false teachings in the church, caused great division. Sounds like Canada today. (laughs) Not just the church in Galatia. It sounds very similar to Canada today as well. Would you agree that there are strains on relationships today? Would you agree that our culture values the same as what was taking place with these Judaizers? Just live by grace. The freedom is meant for you to do what you want to do. Jesus will forgive you. It doesn't matter. Do what you want. Sounds like Live your life. YOLO. You know, you do you. Live as you want and tell others to do the same. Sounds very much like our culture today. But Paul says uh, to this church in in Galatians 5, 13, 14, he says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in the creation account that I was talking about, God in his unique identity, his unique nature, his glory of being in community, Constant community all the time created mankind to live in connection with that identity of community to himself and to humanity. So in that fall account, man and woman, they looked to satisfy themselves and they did so by looking internally. They looked that they thought, I can do this. I can bring fulfillment and satisfaction and joy to my life, myself. So they looked internally. And mankind has done so ever since. This natural look towards ourselves to find fulfillment. Ultimately leading us to slaves to our sinful nature. But Christ came to redeem us, amen? Come on, Christ came to redeem us. Calling us to himself, forgiving us our sins, and reconciling us to God and to one another. To God and to one another. This is the gospel message of love, of grace, and of unity. So, the freedom that we have been given Brothers and sisters, to live in that freedom, not to satisfy our sinful natures, but to serve others, there's a use and a misuse of our freedom, right? Satisfying ourselves versus serving others. The use and the misuse of freedoms. So this is where we are at odds, and this is a hot topic for Paul. Like, he speaks about this almost in every single one of his books that he writes. Speaks specifically on unity and how we ought to care for one another, love one another, lift each other up, and serve one another. So, I'm going to go through some of them for you, okay? I'll fire these off, just follow along, okay? This is Paul speaking specifically. In Ephesians, he says, be kind to one another tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And first Thessalonians, encourage one another, and build one another up. Ephesians four again, let no corruption talk sorry, let me say that again. No let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Philippians do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. 2 Corinthians, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Again, 1 Thessalonians, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. In 1 Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Romans, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And to quote Peter, the apostle, not Lindstrom, (laughs) Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And Peter also speaks specifically of family dynamics. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with a gentle and quiet spirit. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them. And there's multiple quotes of Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy Five, we see in the the scriptures of the Gospels, we see it in Paul's writings, in Ephesians, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may live long. In the land. You see <laughs> the emphasis that Paul is making over and over and over in relationships, both in family dynamics, in husband and wife, in parent and child. Paul also speaks about the dynamics in Titus 2 about the generations that we are to respect those who have gone before us. He speaks to the older. Generation, And he speaks to the younger generation and how we're to serve and care and love one another. He speaks about bond servants and masters, which is very much more similar to that of an employer and an employee relationship. He cares about relational Dynamics, and specifically in Colossians 3, he says, "'As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, "'clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, "'humility, gentleness, and patience. "'Bear with each other and forgive one another "'if any of you has grievance against someone. "'Forgive as the Lord forgave you, "'and over all these virtues put on love, "'which binds them all together in perfect unity.'" I think this is a message that Paul is trying to get across. I think this is a message that the Lord is getting across to his people. That God's reconciliation plan is not only uniting people to himself, but also uniting humanity to one another. Amen? That was a really good time for you to say amen. (laughs) Not just to himself, but to one another. God is calling people to Him in reconciliation, and to each other in reconciliation. And so Paul says, for I have, excuse me, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So how do I know if I am using or misusing my freedom? Like, how do I know? Am I I using it right or am I not using it right? How do I know if I'm being selfish or selfless? Because I need to take care of myself, which is not selfish at all. So how do I know? I think we need to ask ourselves, does this only satisfy myself or does this also serve others? am I only looking to satisfy my desires or am I being mindful of others and serving them in love? And I believe all of our relationships would be stronger. All of our relationships would be healthier. There would be a lot more satisfaction and joy and fulfillment if we were to, through this lens, make sure that whatever I do, the relationship that I have, how I speak, how I act, am I doing so in a way that satisfies only myself Or serving others in love. And again, let me be clear. Taking care of ourselves well so that we can serve others is not a selfish thing. We're taking care of ourselves not only for myself, but so I can serve others well. And this doesn't even have to be in the big, grandiose things. This can be in the mundane, day-to-day realities of our lives. Which, for all of us, uh, that's going to be more true than the big grandiose examples. So I'm going to use a really personal example for most of you. Specifically those who live on campus here. I'm going to use an example where this concept of use and misuse of our freedom has been displayed. Uh, And on Monday morning I saw this and I just went bonkers when I saw this. So excuse if there's any frustration out of this. There's grace and forgiveness. But let's talk about it. Okay? Are you nervous? Uh, Can we put the picture up there, Karis? The TV room viewing schedule. Ugh. TV viewing schedule. So let's go through this. This is the week of February 6 to 12. So this is last week, okay? This is last week. It says a maximum of encircled by someone two hours per day per individual slash group. And then they've done the research <laughs> and the work to draw lines to circle initials of people. And I've talked to some of these people already today, okay? I've talked to some already. I've circled <laughs> their initials, and I'm assuming that up to the right uh, was them first. Read and listen to rules, followed by, I think someone then followed up with the cry face. Uh, Cry about it. Do you think this is a use or a misuse of your freedom? Misuse, abuse of your freedom. Is this satisfying yourselves or is this serving other people? Satisfying ourselves, both in the sense of um, not listening to the rules, uh, then also for the person who circled, did the lines and circled. I think that's also a misuse of freedom. And then also the cry about it is the third level of misuse of our freedom uh, taking place <laughs> in this example. <laughs> Oh, but there's so many rules. I hate the rules. Other people are abusing the rules. If other people are abusing the rules, well, I'm just going to abuse the rules then. What does it really matter? There's so many rules in our handbook. Right, Mark? There's just an astronomical amount that we just, there's no way that we could do all of them. There's so many laws in the Old Testament. There's no way that we could do all of them. So it doesn't really matter. Christ is just going to forgive us anyways. That's so many scriptures that you read from Paul. There's no possible way that we could actually do that. So does it really matter? Christ is going to forgive us anyways. And a little bit by little bit by little bit, we get to that same place that Paul says, hold the phone. And I'm not calling you Judaizers, but this is what Paul said. You Judaizers. Hey, stop that. And then he says to the church, don't abuse your freedom don't abuse your relationships don't abuse humanity because if humanity and our relationships matter to god they should matter to us as well and the way to do that is by asking ourselves am what i'm doing serving others or is it satisfying myself. So there's some satisfying taking place there of selves. There is some trying to serve others. But we're going to agree from this point forward, we're not going to misuse and abuse our freedom of the TV room. Amen? Amen. Ah, That's a good time to say amen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I understand that it can be overwhelming. I understand it can be overwhelming. Which is why I believe Paul says this in verse 14. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. To love your neighbor as yourself. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. We're to look at our relationship dynamics through this lens. That we are created by God in community. From the God who is community to live together. But through sin, the strain that takes place in our lives as we internally go inwards, we are in need of a Savior who is saved and redeemed and reconciled us to himself and to humanity. So I use that salvation, that freedom to serve other people. Somebody? Okay. So uh, to finish off with this, I wanted to just Post this um, photo of uh, last week. Kim talked about the body and how it gives grace. It is good, it's divine. Well, I believe the same thing is true in our relationships. Community is good, community has divine purpose, and community is a means of receiving God's grace. It says this, and I'll finish off here. 1 Peter 4 says keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Yeah? We need each other. We need grace from each other. We need to give grace to each other in every relationship that we are a part of. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite... um, Do you have the people for the couches? Great. Wonderful. I'm going to keep the the prayer until the very end, Karis, just for your whereabouts. Um, But we're going to transition into our chapel chats. So can we give it up to those people who are doing the transition? And as they're doing that, why not let's listen to more music. I'm only doing the end because I don't want to do that feel the heat song or feel the heat lyrics. So this is the very end of the song. Sing it out. Let's move this to Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. It's an ad. Hi, everyone. Give it up for Nicole. You really can't see much of anything from up here. It's kinda cool. I can just pretend that it's just us and then I maybe I'll stop sweating. What do we think?
0: <laughs> you go ahead.
1: That's awkward. We almost cheersed our laptops. Cheers our
0: laptops.
1: Awkward. Tough crowd. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. Hey guys. Welcome back to part two of Relationship Chats. Guess what? It was Valentine's Day yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we've got some mixed emotions. I completely understand. Fun fact of the day, I got a huge bouquet of flowers from a secret admirer, and it turned out to be my mom, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. So that's
1: a win. Okay, so we're going to do something a little bit different this time. Than we did last time. We're gonna do something when you guys are ready I'm called ready. rat-a-tat questions.
0: Ooh! Rat-a-tat,
1: which means we're gonna just rattle them off, okay. and mm-hmm. um, I'll direct some of them towards one of you or the other, and okay. we'll just go for it. Great. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Okay, Gavin, what is your most memorable moment at your for your time at Summit? From
0: when I was a student. Assuming? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> most memorable moment. Actually, Kim is it's, a part of this moment.
1: It's ours.
0: It's our memorable yeah. moment. Yeah, so oh. there was a day where there was four of us total. Uh, we randomly, after brunch, I think it must have been a Saturday, uh, brunch one day, we just It was decide- during reading week. Oh, it was reading week. Brunch yeah. week. Brunch nice. week. I yeah. like that. And uh, we went into Vancouver, and we called it the best day ever. Yeah. And uh, we went into Vancouver. We went to a... Was it a mosque?
2: Yeah, we went into the Sikh Mosque over by like First Ave, you know?
0: Yeah, Vancouver Burnaby area. Then we went into Stanley Park for the day. We were creepers and took photos of strangers. Uh, From trees? uh, Yes, from trees, that's right. Uh, And then we took the ferry, the little person ferry to North Van. What's that called? (laughs) The Sea Bus, thank you. Little person ferry sounds terrible. (laughs) Whoops. Hmm. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> I took the sea bus Interesting. to,
2: oh, it to the sea North
0: bus. Vancouver. No, and it back. wasn't
2: that. No, we took... There used to be a ferry. Uh, no, then
0: we, on the way back, we did took we the Alberni too? ferry. Yes. We
2: did both. Then we
0: took the uh, Alberni ferry rat-a-tat, back. rat tat
1: Gavin. Come Sorry, on. My bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. That best, was a great best day. Best day ever. That was best a great day. day. Ever. Best day ever. rat tat number two. Why my body sweats so much. Uh, <laughs> cool you down. <laughs> uh... It cools you down. It cools you down. Or, or you may or you may want to go to see the doctor. It cools
0: you down. Yeah, it
1: cools you down. We're going to take a hard U-turn here from that question and Kay. say, can a body actually be redeemed? Is the concept born-again virgin scriptural, scriptural? scripturally? There it there is. Accurate. How Kay. do we actually recommit our physical bodies to him and experience physical redemption from premarital sex? Can I... Pull out a scripture? Please.
2: Okay. That's where we like to go. All right. So, nowhere in scripture does it say a born-again virgin. Um, But our bodies are just as redeemed as our souls when um, Christ does that work in our life. And I'd like to note Romans chapter 8, which says... So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's not just our soul, that's our body. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's Including your body. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Yes. Amen.
0: Somebody.
1: Yes. Our bodies are redeemed. Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's go um rat tat number four when it comes to learning to take care of yourself where is a good place to start in the shower in the shower
2: yeah
1: Wha- wash that body good, good hygiene go. wash that body
0: hygiene. and to like ask somebody that's a good place to start like if you don't you just don't know how so ask somebody yeah
1: good good Um, Okay, Kim, I would love to know who the people are who type in courtrooms. Ah, they're stenographers. (laughs) Perfect. Gavin, what is a healthy view, understanding of fitness and health without obsessing over looks and weight? Also, is being overweight a sin?
0: Oh, um, okay, I'll answer the second question first. Being overweight is not a sin. Boom. I think there is sin that can lead to being overweight, like gluttony, but you can be and be a glutton as well. So overweight is not a sin. Um, The first question again. The first question
1: was, what is a healthy view or understanding of fitness and health without obsessing, overlooks, and weight?
0: Well, I think the answer is in the question. Like, It's about health. It's not about just what you see in the mirror. It's about health physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, You need to start there. It's not just about looking good. We need to start with the concept of health, diet, good food. Um, good movements, uh, I like exercising in the, in the weight room, but there's lots of forms of exercises, so health, Word. not looks.
1: That's good stuff. And our last rat tat of the night is, I know we're not supposed to wear hats during prayer, and I grew up taking my hat off during prayer, this person says. But I'm not sure which scripture says to do so. What, scripture, what does scripture say about this?
2: Actually, scripture doesn't say to take off your hat.
1: <laughs> Whoa!
2: Yeah. So um, there is scripture that talks about um, covering your head, but that isn't what that is all about. So actually, the reason why people would take their hat off in prayer, or even take their hat off when they got inside, was it was more of a social. It was a social construct of respect,
0: hmm.
2: and th- so that's why it's not actually like a based. It's not solely based in scripture. It's, a, it's based out of respect for the Lord. I'm going to, and the people that are in the room, I'm going to take off my hat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's good. Thank you, Kim.
0: And the head covering oh. for females in that scripture also means their hair, too. Like, their hair was also head covering. It was those who had short hair mm-hmm. would put a covering on. But long hair, they're like, You're yeah. chilling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good. Hello, everyone. That was the end of the rat-a-tat questions. (laughs) We're now moving on to, guess what? We had some my body questions that we feel like didn't quite get answered that we wanted to go back to really quick before we get to somebody. Make sense? Awesome. (laughs) Okay, Kim. Yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Kim. Mm. How do you handle getting back into exercise and eating well after a season of laziness? How do you handle this with grace towards yourself but not being too lenient?
2: Yeah, great. So um, I think the idea of getting back into some concept of health is just starting. Just pick a tiny start right? Like sometimes we get really, really ambitious. We do that with all sorts of things, right? With all sorts of goals where we like, I'm going to read the Bible in three days. Well, that's ambitious and totally undoable. Um, and sometimes we do that with health too, where we get like super ambitious. And sometimes it just means that we need to start somewhere. So it may mean that it says like, I'm going to have something like if, and there's so much like to health. So it could be like, I don't really go out and move my body so much. I'm just going to take a lap around The track. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna start there. Mm -hmm. And then I think, so starting off with something that's manageable. And then I think with the idea of like grace or being too lenient, like we do have to remember that when we're building new habits, it takes time. Mm -hmm. So when, so we have our start, sometimes it's really helpful. In my own experience, when I'm putting in a new habit that I'd like to keep, I like to tell somebody about it so that I am now, like, it's, I just, I like, it just helps me that somebody knows. And so you may wanna say, yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna walk around three times, uh, like, a week. And so then I'll let somebody know that. Just so, like, make it manageable, and then... Um, accountability. And then, yeah, accountability. And then uh, recognize that when building a habit, we fail. That doesn't really matter. We just pick up, we pick ourselves back up and we try again. That's it. That's
1: great. Go ahead, Gavin. Can
0: I just add, because there was also the eating well part in there Mm. too. I think there's some real simple ways that we can eat well. Uh, It's in moderation, of course. Like I'm not a big fan of like you cut out an entirety of something that you just can't have ever because you want to lose weight. I have concern when people uh, restrict themselves to the extreme level, Um, but Let's use, like, the cafeteria, for example. Like, I half my plate with veggies. It's got to be the colored stuff, right? The oranges, the greens, the oranges. The oranges and carrots are both orange. <laughs> That's how my plate goes. It's just half the plate is just the colored. And then there's, you've got to have some carbohydrates because it gives you energy. You've got to have some protein. Um, so just manage your plate well. Yeah, moderation.
1: Great. Thank you, guys. Our next question for my body is if our bodies matter to how we relate to God, then how does this affect people experiencing gender dysphoria?
2: Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. And I actually what I think about kind of what Gavin was talking about how like often when we're trying to sort things out, we go inward and that's often like when we're when we're so when there is such a focus and and I, I don't want to be really sensitive here but like when there is such a focus on um, like our bodies not feeling right um, and and finding somehow within in within ourselves and in our bodies finding the rightness I think that's where we just we do not we do not have that that insight that Like, of, it's, it's somehow breaking down our, our, our view and our connection with God, right? Like, it sort of, it mixes, like, it muddies the waters of the weird analogies, sorry. But, like, it provides a lack of clarity, I think, when we're so inward and wanting to, um, to manage what the, the, like, the tumultuousness that's going on internally, um, when we're trying to manage that, um, we, then we can't, we have difficulty seeing God in it. And that's how it affects our relationship with God. Any other thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right, specifically where we look for those answers internally. And I want to be very sensitive to that because those are some real emotions um, <clears throat> that, like, I don't want to classify, like, it's not a, a negative or a wrong, those are just real emotions. Um, but there's, there's scripture about God's promises, about his providence and his truth, whether it's about gender or not, that like we all struggle with and we work through. And so it's a process that we work through that, uh, and I think it's imperative that we work through it. I think it's important to work through it with somebody and not alone. Uh, and so um, to be honest with yourself, to be vulnerable and honest with somebody else, a trusted friend or pastor, Um, And then a continual submission to the authority of God and his word uh, in our lives. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Great.
1: Great. Thank you. Uh, Gavin, maybe you can answer this one. What are some of the serious sins we can commit against our bodies that we should be aware of?
0: Yeah. Well, I think any form of abuse would be a serious sin towards our bodies. And that's like... (laughs) like, physical abuse, but I also think there's, like, a mental and emotional abuse. This is something that I've mentioned to, like, the student life team before. Like, you know, the things that we say to ourselves about ourselves when we're by ourselves can be very abusive (laughs) at times, Mm -hmm. and so that is one way that I think we can harm ourselves. Um, Physical abuse, of course, any kind of cutting um, or... Yeah, any kind of real pain or burning you do yourself. Sexual sin is also an abuse to the body. Scripture, Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 6, I believe it is, that, that when we sin sexually, we're not just sinning to, according to God and to others. It's also hurting and affecting or sinning towards our own bodies, too.
1: Great. Thank you. Some
0: good questions.
1: They were really
0: good. Yeah.
1: It's time for somebody... Ooh. Yeah, so, uh, thanks to the four people who are... Oh, Gavin's leaving. I'm just getting my water. That's, That's awkward. awkward. He's out. <laughs> um, little water break. Sing a little song, maybe. you have a water in the house,
2: time to... Stay hydrated. Collective.
0: Stay hydrated.
2: When you... You know when everybody drinks at the same time their water? Oxytocin.
0: Oxytocin. We're bonding.
1: Cool. Bonding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about somebody. 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 Okay. How did more people start talking when they started drinking water? Can you talk with water in your mouth? Because I sure can't. <laughs> Anyways. I like
0: this. <laughs> She's telling sorry. you to stop talking is sorry, what it is. Sorry.
1: Sorry. <laughs> Maybe that was a little harsh. Okay. Somebody.
0: Hey, somebody. Okay. Good.
1: All right. Our first question is a bit of a doozy. Is that Jess? That (laughs) was Jess. Jess, I... Thank you. (laughs) Okay. A doozy. It is a doozy. It's a long one. Thank you, Kim. Okay, in regards to dating relationships in a community living scenario, Summit Pacific College, perhaps, how can both single students, (laughs) Jess, and dating students respect each other as they share living spaces? Example slash context. Sometimes couples are being inappropriately inappropriately intimate in the lounges, but sometimes singles would see a well-behaved couple in the lounge and still run around saying, the couples are out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that both sides can find a consensus here. Thoughts?
2: So how did what's the original like the very first pre-context <laughs> wouldn't
1: you like to know <laughs> In regards to dating relationships in a community living scenario how can both single students and dating students respect each other as mm-hmm. they share living spaces
2: uh, Oh, I just hit my teeth <laughs> I think that's how, not, I don't mean to be just Sheamus loved that. Clonk. I just yeah, ate it. Anyway, okay. right, anyways, it sorry, we're falling off the rails here. Um, I think the answer is in the question. Again, we respect each other. We, we just respect that, you know, like this, it's a, it's a shared space. Right, like here's a here's a non-summit example. Um, has anybody here been to Canada's Wonderland? Yeah. Okay, okay, Canada's Wonderland is one of my favorite places. Okay, there's always there's always a couple macking out in the line to like some r- roller coaster, macking, and I think. But up. you're like in a, in a public space, so this is not a summit thing. This is just. People. So then there is a sense, and I think the respecting piece is remembering, we're in a shared space. That means that, you know, sometimes we just, like, don't get to exert our freedoms as we may want to, as to serve the whole community. And that's true for, that is true for people who might be coupled, and that's
1: people who may not be coupled. Mm-hmm. So are you saying then, for example... Using your example, the people who were macking in the lineup at Canada's Wonderland, <laughs> would you suggest that they don't mac, or would you suggest that everybody else mind their own business? I
2: would suggest they don't mac. And really, okay. to be, if I can add clarity here, it isn't just macking; it's macking out. It's big, macking mac, out. big mac. Big
0: I don't think I've ever heard you say macking out. <laughs> really? It's funny though. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Um, Yikes. Yeah. I would sug- like, I would assume that they, the person, like, like, yes, couples should not be macking out in the lounges, okay? Don't do it. Like, let's just don't do that. That is clearly not thinking about how I can serve others in love. That is just satisfying our personal selves, okay? That's number one. Um, but I'm gonna assume that on the flip side, where there's like respectful couples in there, and then somebody. Um, whether single or dating, it doesn't really matter. Responds negatively towards that respectful couple. I'm going to assume that it's probably because of past experience they've had, where they've walked in and there hasn't been respectful couples, and so they're just now like projecting that on because that's been their past experiences. Mm-hmm. So we just, we just need to give some grace um, there. But wow, um, oh, there's a bug that just flew in.
1: It's right on my water bottle.
0: Whoa. <clears throat> um, yeah, some grace is is needed. Uh, but I will say this, because we, we heard reports that lights are being turned off in the lounges. Like, time out. Like, let's not do that. Lights stay on. Lights on. In the lounges. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Good. 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 Okay. Let's rein it back in. Doozy. It's always. Doozy. It's always the ones about the lounges that get people going. Yeah, right? it's true. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question. Maybe both of you can answer this. Maybe one of you wants to. Daisy. Who <laughs> oh, called out? <laughs> I'm just joking. It wasn't just Daisy, but she's the first one I saw. We'll let you host who next talking. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, big question here. How do we approach a relationship with someone who has a past porn addiction or deal with the shame of a current porn addiction?
0: Well, past porn addiction, specific, uh, like that passage that Kim read in in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we can um, show forgiveness and love and grace to them. We can affirm them and encourage them, support them and keep them accountable. Um, to those who have a current porn addiction, we too can show grace and love and support. That also looks different too in the accountability side, where there there needs to be, if there's a mutual respect to one another, a correction. We're allowed to bring correction to one another, um, and accountability. And and I am whenever I talk about accountability, I. I wish that we were more active in our accountability than passive in our accountability. Oftentimes, it's like we say we're accountability partners and we make a mistake and then we just inform our accountability partners after our mistake and we say your forgiveness, God loves you, and then that's it. I think we should be active where it's like we're holding them accountable, not just for them telling when they've made a mistake, but doing what we can to care for them so they would avoid that mistake, Um, And we do that actively being involved in their life by checking in on them, um, supporting them. And that's real practical of like sometimes um, you just need to take your friend's phone when it's like after dinner, like just to help them out. Maybe that's what they need. Um, Maybe it's a check in in the evening at some point. Maybe it's keeping your door open or whatever it may be specifically regarding if it's pornography. Um, We need to be active in our care and our love and our accountability
2: yes yes yeah I think that like again the another like the active piece is even like sometimes it's really helpful to be like so like when do we want to talk about this again in a week great mm-hmm. let's let's chat about it in a week yeah. where we can like bring it to the light it loses its sting when it bring when it's brought to the light mm-hmm. and we can have those conversations um together
1: for sure. What would you guys say to someone who is struggling to find someone to be accountable to with something like that? Like maybe they're thinking like, oh, I should, but I don't know who to turn to, or I don't want to, or they have like shame or something like that. What would you recommend?
2: Yeah, the shame's real for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks when, you, when you're able to talk with somebody who is trusted. So Consider who is your trust, a trusted person in your life. Um, that may be um, a friend. That might be somebody who's who's older. That might be somebody who you know has gone through this and has found um, some real freedom in it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I would do. Is I would like sort of like, and I'd give yourself like a deadline. <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this by Monday, mm-hmm. right? Like give your like help yourself get to those places um, so that. Um, so that you can actually say to somebody that you trust this is what I'm this is what I'm dealing with and I would love your help to just move ahead.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Thanks again. Okay. Little topic change here. What does the Bible say about sex before marriage? What is the appropriate level of physical intimacy before marriage? How far is too far? Why is sexual purity so important? Is abstinence before marriage a realistic message? That's a lot of questions, all mm-hmm. wrapped in one. Mm-hmm. But.
0: Yeah. Um, Bible says to flee from it. Come on. It says to flee um, from sexual immorality. <clears throat> I hate the question, how far is too far? Um, <clears throat> because what we do when, we, when we're saying how far is too far, we're creating laws. Right? Like this is a go zone and this is a no-go zone. And we create these laws, which is not what salvation is about. Right? We're no longer slaves to it, but we're slaves to righteousness. And so it's not about the the you know abuse of our freedom. We want to use our freedom. And so the how far is too far, I, I don't even like answering that question because it's just gonna, I think, lead people to wanting to break that too far uh, in our in our sinful nature. But <clears throat> to flee from sexual immorality is what we're called to do, so to run from it. And then, um, is it the abstinence one, right? Yeah, that was is the abstinence
1: uh, before marriage a realistic message?
0: Absolutely it is. Like 100% it's possible. Um, <clears throat> it's not easy, sure, uh, but absolutely it is possible. And I think we live in a, in a culture who says otherwise. And I think that um, many many Christians have been convinced that it is impossible. Um, But I don't believe it is impossible. All things are possible Mm -hmm. through him who gives us strength. Amen?
2: Like, difficult can be realistic. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, like, um, living our life for Jesus calls us to do things that are difficult, that may feel unrealistic, but they're difficult, but we do them anyways. Because of the conviction that we have to live for Jesus in every aspect of our lives. So is it realistic to, like, spend tons of money and come to a Bible school? For some, it's not. But look at all of you here. So we, we do that in many parts of our lives, too. So, yes, it's realistic. And it's difficult. Great.
1: Thank you. Kim. Sometimes. Oh, Kim. Hey. Yeah. Hey. hey. I was wondering if you could answer this question for us today. Is it okay to not find someone in Bible college?
2: Yes. Yes. Rat a tat. Yes. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boom. Yeah. tat Yes. Like like hard yes. Yeah. <laughs> hard yes. There are wonderful people here, but there are wonderful people that aren't here. Amen. So
1: yeah. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Um.
0: I don't mean this rude to anybody in this room, but both to male and female in my office, I am usually my go-to is like, like look somewhere else, <laughs> is usually what I'm saying um, yeah. to most students. Because we can get so like zoned in to think that it's just the 150 people here are the only options we have, which is just not true.
1: My father would say it's a fishbowl.
0: It. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You got to get out into the pond, ladies and gentlemen. They liked it. Hop into the pond. Like three people liked that. Okay, awesome. Um, Those are the best jokes, though. (laughs) Follow-up question. Is there something wrong with me if I can't flirt with the opposite gender in Bible college? (laughs) So... I hear that in two
2: different ways. Um. One, I'm not allowed to flirt. Or one, I I am unable. I don't have the (laughs) thing within me to flirt. Of which I would say, that's wonderful. What a wonderful quality. (laughs) What a wonderful quality. Just be yourself. Just be yourself.
0: Yeah. Just be
2: yourself. Gosh. That's great. Yeah. Good, good. Great. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. People are probably deciding if they like you before you ever flirt with them. What even
1: is flirting? You know what I what mean? What
0: is flirting?
1: Yeah, like like I know I know what it is, but what is it? You know what I mean? Okay, what, what is it
0: then? If you know what it is, what is it?
1: I don't think I know what it. Like <laughs> Maybe we should it. Oh, how the tables have turned. Uh Nicole, yes? what is
0: flirting? What is flirting?
1: <laughs> you know I really don't know.
0: <laughs> Jess. Yeah. I love Jess's laugh. I think we
1: all understand the concept of flirting, but it just feels like it doesn't actually exist if you think about it for too long. You know what flirting? I'm saying?
0: Uh. Flirting, I think, like, when it gets down to it, I think is you're trying to be noticed, and you're showing them that you're, you notice them.
1: So if I did a little dance...
0: <laughs> back back to that first question. Nicole, did you, dance. This, did you in, ask this question? Inability to. <laughs> no. Yeah. The
1: inability to what,
0: Kevin? Inability to flirt.
1: Yeah, just dance it out. Do a guys. little dance. dance. Do a little dance. You heard it here first. Well, now we know if anybody's
2: dancing around campus. <laughs> We're starting a dance. They're <laughs> flirting. You're flirting, the flirting.
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work, you guys. I've tried it. Anyways, um... <laughs> All right, next question. I love my friends, and I want to see us move to a deeper place. What are practical tips to create deep, intentional friendships?
0: That's That's so a nice. Oh, hey, great I liked that question. one.
2: Whoever wrote that question, I'm so happy for them.
1: Everyone should be friends with the person who wrote that question. I'm just saying. Who was not I'm just kidding. Don't out yourself. But
0: That's a great question. Like... interests, similar interests are always fun, right? Like when you bond with people on something that you share of a similar interest, uh, it's, yeah, it's bonding. There's, it's wonderful. Um, Clearly singing might be (laughs) the greatest way to bond uh, (laughs) according to that stat, but there are other ways that you can find um, real close, a closeness with people, interests, personalities, humor, stuff like that. Um, Reading Scripture together is something that I just love, and I, I, I talk about it all the time, and we do it together as a family at home. Um, I remember my fourth year here uh, as a student, We, uh, my roommates and three other guys, there was five guys total, we just read Scripture together every morning, Monday to Friday, and it uh, was awesome. And we didn't over-emotionalize or over-spiritualize it. Uh, we just had a wonderful time of, of reading Scripture together, a quick prayer, and then we would go eat. Another way that I find you can find a real depth in friendship is eating together. Um, so those are ways that I like to do it. Interests, food, and Scripture are some of mine.
2: And forgive them.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Forgive yeah. them.
2: I think when we, when we extend forgiveness yeah. to each other, um, it just breaks it breaks down the relationship to, like, or it breaks down the hardness of the relationship and it just makes us softer it recognizes that we all need grace and we're all vulnerable people and we all fail and then when we show up for each other again when we've hurt each other's feelings or if we said something that is a that is a, re- a building up of a stronger relationship when we forgive and we come back
0: what Kim the fly is on your head oh <laughs> 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 That was crazy. Whoa. I saw a reaction on Nicole's face and she's like,
1: fly, fly. <laughs> I feel like the fly had something to say, but it's gone. It's gone now. That's tough. Can I share a really short
2: short story? Super short. Short story. the very first It was the very first day of a road trip. We had been, we had visited a church we had spent time with a youth group and it was wonderful and we're getting in the car and I was the last one to get into the vehicle I sat in the front seat and Gavin looked over at me and he said with like the creepiest calmest <laughs> voice ever and he's like Kim you need to get out get of the out car. Get out of the car now. <laughs> get out of the car now. I was like, okay. And I like got out of the car. No questions <laughs> <He's> asked. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Got out of the car and I'm standing outside. He's like, there's a bee on you.
0: <laughs> good, 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 good. Wow. Yeah.
1: Did it sting you? No, was no. fine. Good. Okay. <laughs> get out of the car. That's great news.
0: <laughs> Step out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Step out of the
1: vehicle. you're being detained (laughs) sorry okay let's rein it back in here this is a big question and one that i think is really difficult but also really good so if you guys want to speak to it that would be great um chronic illness and stuff like that is a really difficult um, situation for a lot of people uh like, we can say our bodies are good, but how do we know when it feels like your body's attacking you? And mm-hmm. how do we stay patient with people who say, if you pray more or you have more faith, then you'll be healed?
0: That's a real so. question. Uh,
1: so first, forever, for whomever
2: had that question, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, in an attempt to try to be, I don't know, something... Sometimes we say the, the really wrong things, mm-hmm. and um, and unfortunately, when um, when in a place of experiencing like chronic pain, um, but that it that extends like so even I think about people who have ex- chronic pain and people are praying for them, and they just say, "Just pray more." I also think about people who are like single, and then people are like, "Well, just get out there right like people sort of extend this like trying to help, and it's almost like more hurtful. Um, And um, if I was talking to those people, I'd say, just say that you're praying, period. But for you who are hearing, who've asked the question, it does mean that you may have to frame it and say, okay, that's the very wrong thing for me to hear. Their intentions are good what they said was way off the map. Okay, I recognize their intention. And like, and really as the receiver, that's really all that you can do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, cause that's hard, like to, to receive that kind of, all the time. Because you've had chronic pain, they receive that all the time. It's very, very difficult. And then I also think that you could, I think it would probably be really good to have somebody whom you love, who loves you and is gracious, and you could be like, somebody did that again to me, and I'm just so frustrated. And I think that's okay, too. And I think we can have those prayers with the Lord, too. Like, that's a really great place for lament.
1: Word. That was really
0: funny. That was funny. That was the paper towel dispenser. <laughs> yes.
1: Whoa. Yes. All the way from here. That is crazy.
2: Gavin. Yeah. Whoever the... walks in yeah. next, you're right. <laughs> don't, don't. We know they wash their hands. <laughs> we, it. we know they wash
1: their hands. That deserves applause. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. They wash their hands. Hey. <laughs> 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 Uh, could, it, could it happen good. to a better person? And that's on
1: healthy community. Could it happen to um, a better okay. person? <laughs> okay. Um, that's great. Thank you, Kim, for that answer. Um, next question. We'll do a couple more. Yeah. This one, I really like how it was worded, so I'm going to read it in my interpretation of how the person was saying it in their head. Help! Crotchety all the time (laughs) and feel like I do everything begrudgingly for others. What? What? (laughs) Read it back? back. Okay, okay, here we go. Help! (laughs) Crotchety all the time and feel like I do everything begrudgingly for others. Question
0: mark? Crotchety is like grumpy.
1: Yeah, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Not...
0: No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even yeah, <laughs> We're all <laughs> grumpy. Grumpy. <laughs> yeah, like grumpy all the time. Grumpy, grumpy. Um Gavin? <clears throat> the, the Lord wants to heal you of being grumpy all the time. Like I I it sucks being grumpy all the time. And uh, there are times where I can I've been grumpy for an extended period of time. And that's not what the Lord just desires for us. I think great ways to fight against feeling crotchety is uh, um, being very mindful of what are the good things in our lives. Like being present, being grateful, being mindful are good ways to combat being grumpy. Um, And if you're like chronic grumpy, I'm sorry, like that's tough. Um, I know that good friends good food, a good nap can help with that. I know it sometimes is deeper than that, and so being mindful, grateful, uh, and to pray about it helps.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this one's kind of a sidebar. What kind of plant is that, and who does it belong to? It's so a ZZ? Zed? Yes.
0: This is a ZZ plant? Uh, a what? Z Z ZZ: zz ZZ Z Z not Z
1: depends on what country you're in. A Z, a Z, a Z-Z. And it's mine. And it's Gav's. Whoa, it's Gavin's plant. Okay. I have a little bit of a topic to unpack here, and I think it'll be the last the last kind of topic we do, but we'll do it in a little two-parter here. Okay. Okay. Um, um,
0: and again, apologies for all you who we will not be yeah. asking your questions.
1: There are a lot of good ones. Yeah. Okay, so these ones are about living in community with one another. Once again, we're going to just roll it back to that um, somebody asked how can I share difficulties I'm having with my roommates cleanliness in a way that actually builds community and doesn't just get them mad at me
2: um, being clear is kind sometimes we just need to be clear we don't need to like make it an overly like sometimes we like try to like like, soften it with all sorts of, like, soft, kind work. Ladies, I think, do this maybe a little bit more, but I'm sure men do too. But to be clear is to be kind. And so sometimes it may mean that we just have to say, it's pretty dirty. Or your clothes, could you pick them up off the floor? A really great way, and here's, like, a preemptive so think about, tuck this away for another time, Do it, but have this conversation right when you start living with a person, because when you have like put it off and put it off and put it off, then it is more difficult to have. awkward. So yeah, it is, um, but have it right at the beginning and then know that like you're all on the same team, right? Like you're for each other, you're for each other. The idea is not pers- like it's not trying to be unkind or be against a person. so clear is kind.
0: Can I add uh, because this is personal uh, in my life, um, because I'm, I also have a roommate, and our cleanliness is different <laughs> to one another. Um, and Rebecca would be uh, she would be totally okay with me talking about this, because we talk about it publicly, Um, she talks about it publicly. Uh, We jokingly call her a bedside hoarder. Anybody bedside hoarders here where it's like cups, and lip gloss, and water bottles, and books, and hair ties, and like there's just, you know, the essentials, the necessities. If there was ever anything you needed in in that moment, it's there, like that is her bedside table. And my bedside table is literally my clock, my phone, and my mouth guard at night <laughs> because like, yeah, I sleep with a mouth, mouth guard. mouth guard gang. Yeah, mouth up, guard gang. Let's go. <laughs> like, and that is, like, it. And um, so... Most of you are going to get married, too, in this room at some point, and so you will have a roommate, and your cleanliness styles will be different, so you will have to learn how to communicate to um, your said roommate currently or potentially in the future, Um, and that's just a reality, Uh, and our communication, uh, it changes over the years. one great way that we make sure that when we communicate to each other is that we have full bellies before we communicate. That's just how we operate. Yeah. Real, real Ooh. practical is you just don't don't have those commu- like times of hard communication on empty stomachs or when you're tired. Don't do it late at night or when you're really hungry. Be be like smart about it. And so, full bellies. Um, Rebecca and I. This is this has helped through years of marriage too. We will say like, hey. Can we talk later this evening or could we talk tomorrow after work uh, or after dinner when the boys go to bed? And like at first it was, oh no, the person is really upset with me. And then it was like stress until we had that conversation. We're past that stage now. We just know that we're trying to be kind and considerate and that we don't want to just like offload on a person without them being prepared for it. And so we prepare, we eat, we set the time and we're good. So learn how to communicate well.
1: Whoa. That is wisdom. All right. Our last question. Aww. See you guys next year, I guess. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: it's just... Now you know how we feel sometimes. My,
1: my entire <laughs> essence is just awkward, and that's just how I live my entire life. So here we are. Live on. Okay. Yeah. Live on. No one's laughing. Okay. (laughs) All right, last question. Let's get this done. I know that we're supposed to be united in Christ and have that in common, but what do you do with someone who you just cannot get along with, aside from being a Christian together? Phone drop.
2: You don't have to be besties. Whoa. Well. Like, we don't have to be besties. I do think that we do need to be unified. That doesn't mean that we always agree, either. Because there are people that I don't agree with. But I am going to be kind and courteous. I'm going to be loving. Because that's what I'm called to do through Scripture, is to love them. That will mean that I have grace for them. And forgive them if they hurt my feelings. Um, Right, like all the things that we know that we're supposed to do with each other, those are the things that we're supposed to do with each other when we're not feeling particularly like we are on the same page, talking the same language. But the fact of the matter is, is we are a part of the body of Christ and we are Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, because um, because of the relationship that we have with Christ, we are united Therefore, we have to then, like, um, like, protect that unity. We do have to protect that unity because the enemy, his role, like, his ambition is to drive a wedge between us. That's his goal. So, therefore, it's, like, we need to protect that unity. Doesn't mean we're besties all the time and it doesn't mean we always agree. But we do need to be loving and gracious and forgiving.
0: Yeah, Paul says that, you know, as far as it depends on you to live peaceably with one another. And so that doesn't mean to be best friends. Um, Sometimes distance is one of the greatest ways to live peaceably with another person. Uh, Again, unity is the goal. Um, it doesn't have to be a best friend. This is a hard scripture verse in First John 4. It says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's a, that's a hard command, that's a hard teaching, but ultimately that's God's desire for us. Yes, to be reconciled to him, but also to be reconciled to one another. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sanctification process that takes place in our lives with the Lord, so is true in our relationships to one another. And, and ultimately I believe that it's not just a command, but that is the Lord's desire yeah. for your life. Like, it's his desire that we would be in good standing with each other. It's his desire that we would live in peace and in unity with one another. And so if there is, like, bitterness, or you're holding something against a person or dislike, like, the Lord wants to bring healing into your life. He's not just wanting to, like, just bring correction. Yes, there is, but it's more in the sense of he wants to bring healing and wholeness in your life and in that relationship. Uh, I think might, now might be the good time to put up Christ's prayer. Carissa, um, if you wouldn't mind putting that up there. This is a prayer that he prays over his disciples prior to his um, trial and crucifixion. Jesus said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Hey, that's us. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. The Lord loves you like he loves loves you, and he desires for you to be in perfect unity with one another. That's his desire for you, his best for you. And so if there is grudges, you know, hurt, um, pain, the Lord does truly want to bring healing uh, in your life. I think ways that he does that is through mercy, grace, forgiveness, good friends, accountability, pastors and mentors in our lives to walk this journey together yes wonderful I know there's lots of questions that we never got to tonight uh, so our apologies on that Um, we would still love for you to ask those questions to us uh, in our offices times of mentoring to each other in your rooms and lounges. What a great opportunity to go take over a lounge and just have a healthy conversation about relationships. Uh, One that honors each other and respects each other, I think would be great uh, to do so, to read scripture together. Um, So yeah, Peter prayed last week, right? To close this off. So Nicole, would you please do the honors?
1: I would love to. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for this community. Thank you for each and every person in this room. Um, God, we're just so thankful that you are who you are, that you're a God who created us for relationship with yourself and with each other. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom how to love each other well and how to live in unity well um, when it can be difficult when we're living so close together and we don't always get along with each and every person and we don't always agree with everything that people say. Lord, I I pray that you'll just give us wisdom um, help us to love each other well, um, to be understanding, to give grace, to give forgiveness, um, just in abundance, Lord, because that's what you've done for us. Mm-hmm. God, I pray just a blessing over each and every person as we leave this space tonight. We pray for a good rest. We pray that we'll learn to take care of ourselves well, learn to take care of each other well. Um, yeah, Lord, and that you'll just bless the rest of this week as we move into midterms. In your name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for Nicole?
1: I thought I got a standing ovation, but it was just Isaac Mercer getting just ready to Just Isaac meet.
0: Mercer. <laughs> God bless you. Have a oh, wonderful thanks, evening.